0: From the Office of the City Auditor in Austin, Texas, this is Audit ATX, a podcast about the audits and investigations our office does to make Austin better for all residents. We're your hosts, Jasmine and Max. In this episode, we're chatting with Keith Silas about the Emergency Shelters for Dangerous Temperatures Audit. Welcome, Keith. This is an exciting one, and we're excited to chat with you today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Woo! Okay, so let's just jump straight in. So what are emergency shelters for dangerous temperatures and what temperatures in Austin represent strenuous weather circumstances?
1: Yeah, so whenever it's really hot or really cold outside, the city offers shelters to protect vulnerable populations from the weather. And so what that means in the wintertime is when the temperature is 32 degrees or lower, or if it's 35 degrees with wind or rain, they'll open up an overnight shelter to protect people from those temperatures. In the summertime, they open up whenever there is a heat advisory warning or an excessive heat warning. It's a little different in the summertime because they're actually just using normal city facilities that are open anyways, such as recreation centers, libraries, senior centers, those type of things. But in the wintertime, it really is quite an operation because they have to open up overnight.
0: Okay, Keith, so you mentioned some entities before. Can you give us a little more information on who was all involved in this effort?
1: Yeah, so there are a bunch of different entities within the city and even external to the city who are involved in this. The first player that I want to name is the Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Management. They're the people who are coordinating all the different operations. So they're making sure that the plans are in place and that the different parties are following those plans. So the people who are on the ground running these shelters tend to be Parks and Recreation Departments. We tend to use their facilities, at least in recent months, for the overnight shelters, and it's their employees who are often working at those shelters overnight. We also um, involve the Austin Public Health Department. We use Austin Police Department for security. There are various county players and other security firms. There are local nonprofits. So there's quite a few different players who are involved in this. I also want to name the Downtown Austin Community Court. They run what's called the Embrocation Site, so that's the location where everybody kind of groups before they get sent to the various shelters. And the reason they do that is we have different shelters for different purposes. So sometimes we may have a shelter just for women with children, another one just for single males, things like that. And the Downtown Austin Community Corps kind of organizes that whole operation. And I'll also say that we use um, CAP Metro. They help us make sure that the people are bused to the right facilities.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense. So with what frequency has Austin needed to open these emergency shelters?
1: We really focused on just 2022, and from January through March of 2022, when we had cold weather, the city opened up shelters overnight 17 times. There were actually a few other days that they should have opened it, but in any case, 17 to 21 times over the course of uh, about three months. And then we didn't do the same analysis for the summer. Like I mentioned, it's because the facilities are already open, so it's just a matter of the city publicizing them, and we did see that they were regularly putting information online saying hey, it's really hot outside. Be sure if you need to, you can go to a you know, recreation center library, that type of thing.
0: Okay. And so did the audit team find that there were standard procedures for opening emergency shelters if there are dangerously hot or cold temperatures?
1: Yeah. So the city does have plans in place. They have the cold weather shelter operations plan, and they have the special operations plan for heat emergencies. That being said, the plans were out of date. And so there were some issues we noticed, but they do have plans.
2: The city's cold weather shelter operations plan has not been updated since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. What are the consequences of not updating and following a set of plans for emergency shelters?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked this because this is one of the major findings that we had in our audit. So like you said, the plans hadn't been updated since the COVID-19 pandemic began, which meant that a lot of our partners that we worked with, their capacity to support us and provide resources to us really changed. One way that this was really felt is that some of these external parties were supposed to provide staff to work at our shelters, um, including our shelter managers well they weren't able to do that and so what that meant is that it was city employees primarily parks and recreation department employees were having to fill in for those positions and those employees really weren't trained or put in place you know they weren't hired to do those roles of trying to you know help vulnerable populations get through these these difficult times and so that really was an extra burden on our employees it also meant that our plans were really out of date and so some of these partners were supposed to provide their own facilities to use as the primary and secondary shelters for our vulnerable populations. Well, without that capacity, that fell entirely to the Parks and Recreation Department. So we're in years past, you know, maybe 2017 or 18, we might have only been used, we being the city, as a last resort. Now we were being called upon time after time to open up a shelter overnight with our staff, and it really was just a big burden on our employees that we weren't prepared for.
2: That is definitely a large concern here Keith and I know you touched on some of this but the audit found that Austin has struggled to operate shelters efficiently in terms of maintaining staff tracking funding and updating resources to meet changing needs. How do these factors impact the city's ability to meet the needs of residents?
1: The one thing I'll say is I think from a resident's point of view when we opened a shelter we were able to serve the people who needed it and we were able to provide them, you know, a warm place to go a cot and a blanket they were able to get water food you know those basic necessities what really was affecting us however was like i said in the last question our employees weren't necessarily prepared or trained for that we didn't always have security in place so we might have for instance police officers who bounced between the two or three different shelters that we had open but we might not have an officer two officers at the facility the entire time that was open. And so these were just challenges that our employees had to had to work through. I think that they've done a really good job, but it it hasn't come without its own costs. And, uh, and I don't think that's a sustainable method for our city employees, especially when they're not getting the resources, the training that we would expect employees in these situations to have.
2: That makes sense, Keith. And after reading the report, another audit finding was that there were four nights in early of 2022 when shelters did not open, despite Austin facing extremely cold temperatures. Were there any repercussions that resulted from residents not having access to emergency shelters during these dangerously cold nights?
1: We weren't able to find a specific negative outcome for a person. For instance, some person suffered frostbite because they couldn't get shelter. That's not to say they didn't. We just weren't able to make that connection. But beyond that, I think this was a real major issue for the city. And this is the first item that we noted in our audit report. The reason it's so important is that our city has plans. Like we said at the beginning, when the temperature is freezing outside, the city says that they will open up shelters. That should be something that anybody in the city is able to rely upon. And what we found is that there were days when if you were to open up the newspaper, you'd see that it was supposed to be 30 degrees outside, and yet we did not have a shelter on that night. And so not only does that make it hard for a resident to plan, but it also, I think, leads to whether or not they can even trust the city. Like, if we're not opening it when it's supposed to be 28 degrees outside, how do they know we're going to open it when it's 32 degrees outside and it's, it's dangerous. I mean, you know, the reason that we have these shelters and open them is because these are dangerous temperatures that really can have a negative impact on somebody's life.
2: All right. And as far as potential solutions to this, what recommendations were issued to the city as a result of this audit?
1: We issued three recommendations. And the first one was we're asking that city management, first of all, assign the overall ownership of cold weather shelter activities. And the reason we say this is that there's no one clear person in charge of it. Even though the Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Management is responsible for coordinating it, they're not able to say, the Parks and Recreation Department has to open up this facility. And so that's the first thing that we think needs to happen is that the city manager should assign this overall ownership. Beyond that, we ask that they communicate the roles and responsibilities, ensure that shelters are adequately staffed, ensure that the different departments are tracking their expenses, and that they implement a monitoring and accountability system so that they know and that they can hold different departments and individuals responsible. So that was the first finding. The second one was just asking that the Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Management update their plans to reflect current operations. So for instance, if we know that our external partners are unable to provide shelter managers or other resources, then it should say that. And then the last recommendation is that the city management determine what services will be provided and have provisions for extenuating circumstances. And the reason that we noted this is that depending on who you talk to, there were different ideas of what resources should be provided. So pretty much everybody was on the same page that we need to provide a safe place that has, you know, in the wintertime heating, that has water, food, a blanket, and a cot. Beyond that, there were discrepancies. So just having it written down saying this is what we are committed to providing, I think would help clear that up. And then in terms of the extenuating circumstances, there's some there's some real concerns. So for instance, if a recreation center where people are staying overnight were to lose power, there's no there's no clear indication what would happen at that point. And so those are things that we would ask that the city have plans in place for.
2: Thanks for joining us today, Keith. We really appreciate, uh, first of all, all of your hard work and also your breakdown of this audit. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this
0: episode of Audit ATX. This report is available on our website at austintexas.gov slash auditor.
2: Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Austin Auditor. And subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.